It's time for takeoff with Traveling Culturati and yours truly, Javon Harley. Ladies and gentlemen. Well, hey there, fellow Culturati. Javon Harley here, your host and travel pro for Traveling Culturati. Head on over to the website, it's travelingculturati.com. Follow us on social media and don't forget to join the travel club. Uh, oh, we've got a, a, a fantastic travel calendar coming up in July, Paris. Also in July, the 25th anniversary cruise in Croatia with Advantage International. We also have Belize coming up in November. Oh, and South Africa, the Joy of Jazz Festival in September. I'm telling you, we have a whole lot going on and we're already filling up our 2024 calendar as well. But you won't know any of that and get the information, the 411, unless you join the Travel Club. So go to TravelingCulturati.com. Go ahead and join in on the fun. Well, today I'm sharing with you some of my favorite long haul flight tunes and what's in my playlist. So you don't want to miss that. We'll also have Javon's Travel Minute and the Culture Report. But right now, let's get into a little travel news. Uh, There's some streets and murals and things that are happening. I'm going to call this the Traveling Wild Black News. (laughs) Ambassador Andrew Young and Nature are the focal points of the Atlanta Beltline's newest murals. Initiated two years ago by Carolyn Young, the wife of the U.S. Ambassador to the United Nations, Congressman, and former mayor of Atlanta, the mural project was completed by the Fulton County Youth Commission. And artists Petey Parker and Victor Walker are part of an Earth Day celebration. Ambassador Young has been a longtime advocate for sustainability and environmental justice. Petey Parker, artist of the Andrew Young mural, said, this mural represents the life, struggle, and impact of Andrew Young and giving him his flowers for the path and legacy he has created. Ambassador Young gathered with close family friends and family on the Atlanta Beltline West Side Trail for the unveiling. The intimate gathering included four former mayors, Bill Campbell, Shirley Franklin, Kasmin Reed, and Keisha Lance Bottoms. Clyde Higgins, president and CEO of Atlanta Beltline, Inc., and artist Killer Mike, were also present. To check out the mural, go to 750 Rice Street Northwest and take right on the Atlanta Beltline West Side Trail. Some other namings. This one is signed in purple ink. <laughs> Can you guess who it's for? Minnesota dedicates highway to Prince. Yes, the late pop star, superstar Prince will have a highway named after him. Thanks to Minnesota lawmakers who voted to dedicate the highway that runs past his Paisley Park Museum and studios to the creator of hits like Little Red Corvette, Let's Go Crazy, and When Doves Cry. Minnesota Governor Tim Waltz used purple ink to sign the bill dedicating the roadway, formerly known as Minnesota Highway 5. Now, the path through Minneapolis suburbs of of Chanhassen and Eden Prairie will be called the Prince Rogers Nelson Memorial Highway. Purple road signs will soon go up all along the highway, declaring the new name paid for by Prince's friends and fans. Like so many Minnesotans, I'm just proud that Prince called Minnesota home, Walsh said, adding that the highway dedicated is just a small recognition of the singer, songwriter, arranger, and instrumentalist. Walsh said that Prince is part of the state's shared cultural identity that really does transcend generations. Paisley Park, where Prince lived and recorded, draws visitors from around the world to suburban Chanhassen. It's also where Prince died on April 21st, 2016, of an accidental fentanyl overdose at age 57. The 65,000 square foot complex is now a museum run by his estate, as well as an event venue and recording studio. Yes, I like that. Can't wait to see those purple signs. (laughs) 
the city of Nashville is renaming a street after Grand Ole Opry pioneer DeFord Bailey, the harmonica wizard whose popularity and contributions to country music and blues are still being recognized decades later. On May 27, 2023, DeFord Bailey Avenue will be officially dedicated in the Edge Hill neighborhood of Nashville, where DeFord lived most of his life until his death in 1982. He came from a family of black musicians and his music created a link between the rule black hillbilly music. Despite his success and popularity, DeFord faced racism during the Jim Crow era of segregation in the South, especially while touring with other white Opry members. He wasn't allowed to do the things that other artists were allowed to do, like going to restaurants, going into hotels, using the bathrooms. This is according to his grandson. And he even had to sleep in his car from time to time. DeFord performed on the Opry for about 16 years until 1941, when a dispute between the Opry and the performing rights organization, ASCAP, created a rift. The Opry management forbade DeFord from performing his songs that were licensed through ASCAP, including listener favorites like Fox Chase. When he refused, the Opry fired him. DeFord retired from playing professionally and channeled his attention to a second career as the owner of a shine parlor in Nashville. DeFord's impact on country music was overlooked or whitewashed from history books for decades. A cuff, for example, argued publicly shortly after DeFord's death that DeFord's music didn't rise to the level of other country music hall of fame members like himself. An author named David Morton wrote the definitive biography on DeFord in 1991 that finally led to the recognition of the musical pioneer and acknowledgement of the racism he endured. In 2005, DeFord was inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame, and last year the Opry issued a statement and a apology for its role in racism within country music. In addition to the street renaming, a new edition of Morton's biography is currently on sale through the CMHOF's website and museum, complete with a new foreword, more illustrations, and a complete recording session discography. It will be rolled out to more bookstores in June. Carlos believes the moves will help keep DeFord's legacy alive for a new generation. Well, let's talk about what's happening with the airlines and the upcoming summer travel season. After a series of travel meltdowns in recent years, airlines and the Federal Aviation Administration are under immense pressure to improve the flying experience this summer. The number of Americans who will fly this summer could eclipse the pre-pandemic high from 2019. The recovery from the pandemic had been punctuated by several major airline meltdowns, stranding millions of travelers and angering lawmakers and regulators. In recent months, the Transportation Department has proposed requiring greater transparency around airline fees and requiring companies to more fully compensate people whose flights were delayed or canceled. Industry executives and FAA officials say they made some changes after recent disruptions and meltdowns that should make air travel less chaotic and more pleasant this summer. Why are the airlines struggling so much? Early on when the coronavirus vaccinations were still being developed and tested, restrictions prevented people from traveling. Carriers encouraged thousands of employees to take buyouts or retire early, even though the federal government had provided airlines with billions of dollars to pay employees' salaries. When air travel quickly rebounded, airlines, like other businesses, struggled to hire and train employees, including pilots, flight attendants, and baggage handlers. So even when companies got a hold on hiring, airlines remained particularly susceptible to disruptions. During the holiday seasons leading into 2022, a resurgent coronavirus sickened huge numbers of, of crew members, compounding problems caused by bad weather and resulting in thousands of flight cancellations nationwide. 
side. Another problem, the aviation system uses technology and ways of doing business that were developed decades ago, and they're currently showing some signs of aging. Around Christmas last year, Southwest struggled to overcome bad storms because of insufficient equipment and inadequate crew scheduling software and practices, stranding millions of travelers. Weeks later, the FAA briefly stopped all flights from taking off nationwide after a contractor deleted a file in a dated pilot alerting system. So be prepared this summer. If the airlines don't get their act together, it could be another summer of chaos. The airlines have reduced the number of flights in preparation of summer woes but they are also flying larger aircraft than they normally would for particular routes so that they can take more passengers with fewer flights. Do you remember that American Airlines JetBlue Alliance? Well, it has been struck down. A federal judge ruled that American Airlines and JetBlue must end their Northeast Alliance because it is anti-competitive. Formed in 2021, the partnership allows the two carriers to coordinate schedules, swap slots, and share revenues at JFK, LaGuardia, and Newark airports in the New York metropolitan area and at Logan Airport in Boston. U.S. District Judge Leo Sorokin ruled in favor of the Justice Department, which had brought the suit in partnership with six states, combining two of the four largest U.S. airlines, the North Northeast Alliance has decreased the number of flights at the four airports and it violates the Sherman Antitrust Act. The alliance makes the two airline partners each having a substantial interest in the success of their joint and individual efforts instead of vigorous arm's length rivals regularly challenging each other in the marketplace of competition. The Boston Globe called the ruling a major victory for the Biden administration, which has used aggressive enforcement of antitrust laws to fight against mergers and other arrangements between large corporations, noting that an economist predicted it would cost consumers more than $700 million a year extra if American and JetBlue stopped competing in the Northeast Corridor. Well, there's some travel advisories that are being issued all around, starting with the NAACP. It has issued a Florida state advisory joining Latino and LGBTQ plus groups. The NAACP urged people to consider Florida's policies on diversity and race under Governor Ron DeSantis's when thinking of traveling there. The National Association for the Advancement of Colored People on Saturday issued a travel advisory for Florida, saying that under Governor Ron DeSantis's, the state has become openly hostile toward African Americans, people of color, and LGBTQ plus individuals. The NAACP joins the League of United Latin American Citizens, a civil rights organization that issued a Florida travel warning on Wednesday, and Equality Florida, a gay rights advocacy group that issued a statement last month. The NAACP's travel advisory does not explicitly recommend against travel to Florida, but it urges travelers to be aware of the state's politics, and the organization said that the governor of the state of Florida has shown that African Americans are not welcome in the state. Well, that's all I've got for travel news, and when I come back, I'm sharing a few tips tunes that are on my long haul playlist. I'm Javon Harley, the traveling culturati. The world is a book and those who do not travel read only a page. See the world with Advantage International. Go to advantage-intl.com for a current trip or call Advantage at 1-877-428-2773. Welcome back to the Traveling Culturati. I'm your host and travel pro, Javon Harley. Head on over to the website, travelingculturati.com, connect with me on social media, and don't forget to join that travel club. And now, Javon's Travel Minute. In the vein of today's long-haul flight topic, here are my long-haul flight travel tips for a more comfortable flight. Choose a good airline. There's definitely a difference between a good long-haul airline and a bad one. Do some research before you book and don't forget to read the reviews. Reserve a good seat if you want more legroom. 
The exit row is where you want to be. If you want to avoid crying children, stay away from the bulkhead. This is where they place families on international flights. Get an aisle seat if you need to or a window seat if you prefer it. And check seatguru.com. Wear closed-toed shoes, but nothing too snug. Feet will swell at high altitudes. Prepare for sleep. Bring a few long-haul flight essentials like a lightweight blanket, a good travel pillow to make sleeping less of a headache or neck ache, pair of earbuds. You'll need to move around. Stretching your legs will help avoid the risk of developing deep vein thrombosis. You should get up every two hours and you can do leg exercises in your seat or you can take a walk. Aircraft cabins are often very dry places and the chances of becoming dehydrated are high. Drink plenty of water, slowly and regularly, and avoid too much tea, coffee, and alcohol. If you can, bring a bottle of water on board so you can have it on hand. And relax. Use the time to catch up on that good book, a movie, and or a great playlist. (laughs) This is Javon, and that was your Travel Minute. There are three types of flights pertaining to length of time. Short haul, which is a flight lasting anywhere from 30 minutes to three hours. Medium haul is defined by flights lasting between three and six hours. And lastly, long haul flights are those that extend beyond six hours. I take many long-haul flights to destinations that make me cross the Atlantic or the Pacific Ocean. When you're flying more than six hours, you'll want more than movies to keep you entertained. I typically start with a couple of movies. This will get me through takeoff and the first meal service. I then put on my buds and tune into my playlist. I mix it up for pleasure of listening, something that will relax me, and I can fall asleep too. So today I'm sharing with you some of my favorite long haul flight tunes and what's in my playlist. A few of my favorite female artists are Lauren Hill, Rihanna, India Irie, Adele, and of course, the voice, Whitney Houston. <laughs> Here are the ones I can listen to anytime. Let's start with Lauren Hill and her debut album, Miseducation of Lauren Hill. Anything from that album will certainly do. And if you have one of those 12-hour or more flights, play the entire album. There are two songs from Lauryn Hill that are my faves. The first one of the two is The Sweetest Thing by Refugee Camp All-Stars featuring Lauryn Hill and was part of the original soundtrack of the movie Love Jones, released by Sony in 1997. The producers are Lauryn Hill and Wyclef Jean.
The second Lauren Hill cut is Lost Ones. It's the second track from Hill's five-time Grammy-winning debut album, The Miseducation of Lauren Hill, that was released in 1998. This love song is written to an ex following a relationship breakup and supposedly aimed at Lauren Hill's former Fuji's bandmate, Wyclef Jean. It's funny how money changes situation Miscommunication lead to complication My emancipation don't fit your equation I was on the humble you on every station Someone play young Lauren like she done But remember not to game the one of the sun Everything you did has already been done I know all the tricks from bricks to kingstown King Don Major, King Don Juan Ron Now understand El Boogie, now Violin But different things test me, run to me gun Can't take a threat to me, newborn son El been this way since creation A groupie call you far from temptation Now you want ball over separation Tarnish my image in the conversation Who you gon' scrimmage like you the champion You might win some, but you just lost one You might win some, but you just lost one You might win some, but you just Closely, you 
Yo say what you become Cause you might win some But you just lost one You might win some But you just lost one You might win some But you just lost one You might win some But you just lost one You might win some But you just might win some But you released her third album, Good Girl Gone Bad, she changed her entire style and image. One that we all loved. That short, edgy haircut and her restyling took her to new heights. Good Girl Gone Bad was released on May 31st, 2007 by Def Jam Recordings and SRP Records. The top song on the album, Umbrella. Ella. Ella. (laughs) Entertainment Weekly ranked the song number one on the 10 best singles of 2007, Rolling Stone, and Time listed the song at number three on the 100 best songs of 2007. Can we go? We Rockefellers, we fly higher than weather, and she flies are better. You know me, in anticipation for precipitation, stack chips with a rainy day. Jay, Rain Man is back with Little Miss Sunshine. Rihanna, where you at? You have my heart, and we'll never be worlds apart. Maybe in magazines, but you still be my star. Baby, cause in the dark. See shiny car And that's when you need me there With you I'll always share
talk about India Irie. Her debut album, Acoustic Soul, was released in 2001. Brown skin is certainly sexy and powerful. Brown skin, you know I love your brown skin. I can't tell where yours begins. I can't tell where mine is. Up against my brown skin Need some every now and then is complete without the voice Whitney Houston there's so many iconic songs by the voice it's hard to choose Whitney Houston's biggest single on the hot 100 chart is her iconic I will always love you from the soundtrack to her 1992 film debut the bodyguard should stay I would only be in your way so I'll go but I know I'll think of you every step of the way And I will always love you. Goodbye, 
don't cry We both know I'm not what you You need And I Will always Love you I Will always Love Thanks for listening to my playlist, and it was such fun inviting you in. When I come back, I'll have the Culture Report. I'm Javon Harley, the Traveling Culturati. The world is a book, and those who do not travel read only a page. See the world with Advantage International. Go to advantage-intl.com for a current trip, or call Advantage at 1-877-428-2773. Welcome back to the Traveling Culturati. I'm your host and travel pro, Javon Harley. Make sure you head on over to the website. It's travelingculturati.com and make sure you travel with us. Sign up for the travel club because we go to some fantastic places. Culture is forever changing and reflecting what's happening in the society and with its people. It can be born of the arts, food, music, and sometimes politics and strife. This is the Culture Report, and it is one of my favorite things to not only talk about, but to consume as well. (laughs) I have the honor and pleasure of speaking with Vivian Klein-Hans, who is a pioneer for Black wine industry, while equally being a groundbreaker for women-owned businesses in her native South Africa as a self-taught wine entrepreneur and founder of Seven Sisters Winery. Hello, Vivian, and welcome to Traveling Culturati. Hello, Javon. Thank you for having me on your radio station. Oh, absolutely. An honor and a pleasure. Um, As I said, wine is one of my favorite pastimes. (laughs) Lovely. I like that. (laughs) And South Africa has some wonderful, wonderful wines. Uh, So Seven Sisters 
how did it get the name Seven Sisters? So I um, would always start off by saying that I did not start my wine business or my wine brand because of a love of wine. I started it because I, I wanted to change the destiny for my family. You know the history of South Africa. Black people were not allowed to have land, be in the wine industry, own vineyards or a wine cellar before 1994, before we became a liberated democratic country um, when Nelson Mandela uh, became president of South Africa. After 1994, it took a a few years, seven to nine years, to rewrite or to add policies to include people of color into this very white male-dominated industry. So I founded myself at a roadshow where the Minister of Agriculture and Rural Development and Land Reform had a workshop and she urged people of color to venture into the higher value chain of the wine industry. Now, at the time, I was just attending a workshop. I did not know anything about the wine industry besides I did some research and I saw it was a three billion US dollar export industry and a few million South African um, revenue industry. It also provides employment to 9% of South Africans' population of color. So I really, um, I was then, I became interested and I looked into it. And then I started bit by bit looking at how do I put this wine business together. Starting the higher value uh, chain of this wine industry meant that we as people of color who did not own land or vineyards or a wine cellar or a winery um, before 1994, we had to find a partner, a white farmer or a winemaker or a wine seller who would be interested to work with us. If I say us, I, I say I, I talk about my seven sisters, but also my colleagues at the time when we started it was a project we were individuals we did not know if it will actually venture into a fully fledged company or a business our journey started in 2005 so we approached um, seven sisters or myself in the beginning i must say wine did not taste really very nice and to me at the time i did not know anything about the lingo of wine you know the nose and the taste and uh, the mouth and to me it just needed to be nice to drink it needed to be a product that I would enjoy and I can imagine a whole host of others to enjoy but not just to have a product um, in the beginning it was really a very hostile industry you know white people thought that we were coming to vandalize the wine industry and they would really not be happy to accept us as people of color into this very white dominated industry so we ran into various stop streets and hurdles and bumps and this and every day was just a another fire to put up it got to a stage where I uh, went for my very first wine exhibition in Johannesburg of South Africa in Soweto. And at that exhibition that day, um, I met somebody from America. So before that day, we tried to get our wines into the local market. And up till today still, it's a big challenge because South Africa <clears throat> produced such high quality wines that is very inexpensive. So it's very difficult to venture into a 364 year strong wine industry that uh, people has built up their their brands. And, um, you know, it's hard for people to, you know, find another wine to drink or, or venture in another brand. You know, people is sticklers for um for what they know. So I met this African-American lady in um, Soweto and she was quite interested in how is it possible that in the town that Nelson Mandela grew up, um, there's this uh, wine winery, she thought, or I'd say to her, no, it's just a wine exhibition. And in 2007, my first container of Seven Sisters Wines shipped to America Um to a warehouse in Philadelphia. And I followed um, because we then had focus group tastings with uh, retailers, um, universities at that time, particularly with Harvard University, where she 
was residing at the time. So while the wines were in America, and it, it really took myself and Selena of Heritage Lane Brands to put the wines in a backpack and walk the streets. And um, I would travel to America every year and do that. And um, then I realized when people travel from the States that they want with me and that had to happen in a coffee shop because I had nothing nowhere else to go well then I realized I needed a um, vineyards I need a farm so we inquire about um, a farm and um, at the time the government was busy with the distribution of farms to people of color who then was in the industry in the agricultural sector and we were awarded as a family a barren piece of land the one that you came to and it was really the sales in the in the America that helped me to develop the farm and that is where the family came in the sisters came in and really assisted with once the facility was finished that we could go do um where to market now now, now every step that we took there was really no finance no capital to fund anything from the labels of the wines to the purchase of the product, we made a term agreement with the supplier, you know, to even stock the facility that you, you came to with um, your friend, the 150 people who attended um, in, in March. So the first thing that we thought we could do without having to put lay out any money once the facility was finished, and the, it took us about four years to finish it, and that is selling wines in America and and build a little bit but by bit. So it took us, yeah, we, we started there to do, I don't know if you know the Groupon deals. Yes, I to do. Get the word, yeah, to get the word out there, we started this Groupon deals for 2016. Um, we, we started, uh, we finished the building in 20, end of December 2015. And February, we opened our doors to the public with the Groupon deals to really market the place and have food and wine pairings. So we would do seven wines with seven foods and we will book during the week and weekends and group book it. And that is what we did for the year. And that is where the sisters came in to do with the cooking, to help with the serving, to um, to help with telling the story where we're coming from and all of those kind of things but the business idea really comes from me and the initiative comes from me so now you have a, a wine uh estate and so i just want to clarify a, a winery versus a wine estate uh is are two different uh are two different things so with getting the farm you now have your own wine estate yeah exactly that so we have our own wine estate with our own vineyards on it with um, with our, our own non-equipped seller, we have seven different products from a um, Moscato Perlet, a Chenin Blanc, a Sauvignon Blanc, a Chardonnay, a Pinotage, a Merlot, and a Cabernet Sauvignon. Okay, and, and so with again to establish the wine estate is when you have your own land and you grow your own grapes versus buying. Uh, a winery getting grapes from other uh, farms and and vineyards. Uh, so, uh, tell me about you. You said that um, there are different wines named after the different sisters and their personalities. So, can you yes. give me what <laughs> they are and what the personality is and how it matches to the wine? The Moscato was named after Odelia. So, the Moscato is a sweet 40, um, 40 grams of sugar. It's a sweet wine, and it. Uh, it has a first, like, with a sparkling personality, and Odile is the youngest one, and she has got that sparkly personality. And then um, we have the Chenin Blanc. Chenin Blanc is slightly serious. It's named after uh, Lutuina, and we shortened it to Tuina to, to have it easier. And Tuina has got a slight serious side to it, but also very funky. Then we have um, this Chardonnay named after Yolanda. The Chardonnay, 20% um, of our Chardonnay is, is hooded. So she's younger than me. So it's still a very elegant, um, easy drinking wine. I must also add that the Seven, seven Sisters wines are all 
easy drinking, early drinking wine styles and wine styles. Then we get to Vivian. Myself, I was labeled the Sauvignon Blanc because I'm, I can be very serious about life. I miss the stage so much. Yeah. That's why I say. Thank you lovely. so much for joining me today. Uh, lovely Thank hearing you your story. Um, so we can expect to hopefully by September to get Seven Sisters Wines here in the United States once again. And uh, yes. otherwise, if you're visiting South Africa, you can certainly visit Seven Sisters uh, Winery as well. What is yes, your website? Yes, do so. yes, my website is sevensisters.co.za sevensisters.co.za. Again, thank you so much for joining yes. me today. Thank you, Javon. Keep well. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Well, that's it for the show today, but I'll be back the same time next week. And remember, wherever you go, go with all your heart. Confucius. To find out more about the Traveling Culturati, visit TravelingCulturati.com. Follow me on social media and join the Travel Club. Special thanks to editor Ray Diaz, studio producer Diamond Sidnor, video producer Howard Little, executive producer Gene Harley, and to you, thanks for tuning in.